Disclaimer. I am not a licensed therapist, counselor, or professional broadcaster. The following are stories from my life and personal experiences and are the property of me. There will be profanity, quite a fucking bit of it, so please keep that in mind along with adult themes and topics. Listener discretion is advised. I've always wanted to say that. Bring Your Own Batteries, The Memoirs of a Retired Vibrator Seller. This novel is dedicated to my beloved Dan. You are my happy ending in more ways than one. Chapter 1. My First Time. Not everyone is born to sell vibrators. Presenting at my first home party presentation, selling toys as a bona fide consultant, I felt nothing less than utterly exposed. With one week of what I refer to as sex school training under my belt, and night upon night spent memorizing product information, I set up what I thought was a reasonably good display table. Canisters with cream to the left, bath products to the right, lingerie on a portable rack, every tag lined up and facing outward, and a line of silken bags containing various vibrators side by side at the edge of the table. They looked like torpedoes about to be launched into the abyss. Multiple sets of eyes, most of which were uninterested in what I was doing, alternately watched me set up my table and or watched the train of food coming out of the kitchen. I rubbed my hands as uncharacteristic dew sprang up on my palms, trying hard to remember everything I had been taught in training. They were young students studying law, all slim and stylishly dressed. Some had expensive scarves around their necks, designer bags by their sides, and high-heeled boots meant for show, not Canadian snow. I adjusted the collar on my pinned-up blouse and fiddled with the buttons on my new business casual jacket. In the store, when I had it on, I thought I looked professional and authoritative. Standing in front of these well-put-together students, I felt more like a rejected extra from the TV show Night Court. Hmm, maybe I should open with a joke, I told myself. Do lawyers like jokes? A joke wasn't a good idea. Instead, maybe I should ask them a warm-up question like, what is the difference between a dildo and a vibrator? By the way, dildos don't vibrate. Vibrators vibrate. Or maybe I could explain how a good little brown girl born to two immigrants that had opened their own handicraft business in Canada could grow up one day to sell adult novelty toys. At 34 years of age, it was shocking that I still wasn't married. According to a palmist I saw on my second trip to India when I was 17 years old, I was supposed to be married to a doctor or an engineer never want for anything as long as I live, and have six children. I'd be a famous author, and one of my books would change the world. My first son would be someone that people from all over the globe would seek out as he was gifted and would leave a mark on the world. Sounds like a crock, right? I said crock, not cock. I would have thought so too were it not for the palmist's incredible track record and specifically eerie predictions. 
It was 1985. My family and I were staying in a dingy hotel in Bangalore, India. The heat was more bearable than it had been when we first got there, thanks to the onslaught of rain that had begun to pour. I didn't mind the humidity or the stale air. I loved India. I loved every sweaty, stinky, sad, and even soul-affirming second of it. On our way out of our hotel room, I spotted a large poster on the wall of a palm print and begged my mother to let me have my palms read. The hotel said it housed the palmist permanently in the room next to the poster and that he rarely did readings for random people off the street. He was a bit of a celebrity, having read the palms of many people in high positions of fame and power. He didn't need our 100 rupees for a few palm readings. I knocked on the door anyway. He refused to see us. His face scared me. He had small, beady, deeply set eyes that looked like black obsidian. He wore a woolen toque on his head in 40-degree heat, and the permanent red stain on the corner of his mouth that he had from eating pond for years made him look like he was drooling blood out of the side of his purple lips. As I walked away, he stopped to ask me if the woman that was waiting for me in the hall was my mother. I nodded. He held me in place with just his gaze and paused before telling me that she was his sister in a past life. Because of her, he agreed to take a print of our palms and read them for us the next day. I couldn't wait to hear my future. You were born on a Tuesday, he said in broken Hindi. Your birthday is in 11 days. I had to do some quick math. I later asked my mother if I was in fact born on a Tuesday. I was. He was right on both counts. You will have a good life, good life. Yes, very good. At 19 or 21, you will meet man. He is born abroad like you. He is a doctor or engineer. He is the gem that is missing from your family crown. Beautiful man. He is an only child. He has no siblings. You will have six children. I swallowed hard. That was four more than I thought I wanted. You will travel world. See whole world. But you must be careful. At this point, he turned to face me for the first time and only time in the reading. He stared at me with his cold black eyes, fresh pawn seeping from the gap in his teeth, and leaned in closer to me to say, But you must be very careful, beta. Very, very careful. Be careful of the karab admi. Most garab, very bad. Don't do anything with this man. I felt a chill run down the center of my back. Very bad man, he said again and shook his finger at me before looking back up at the paint-chipped walls of his room. But you have the hand of God behind you. Always will know this. Most blessed soul. You will write books and one of them will change the world. Your first son is most special. The world will come to him. He will make a great change. You will see the whole world. Never really want for anything. Hmm, sounded good to me. With the exception of the quote-unquote bad man, my life would be just as I had always hoped. The probable and beautiful dream. Married. With kids. What more was there in life? After that trip, I was drunk on palmistry. I couldn't stop seeing psychics. I had my palm read at every fair I could find. I had my tarot cards laid out by anyone who said they knew how to read them. If you said you were a psychic, I offered my hands and vulnerability to you in the hopes of more affirmation. Every story I was told was virtually the same. Beautiful husband, 
gorgeous children, just one dick to get out of the way before my supremely blessed life could begin. Nineteen passed, and there was no husband. Twenty-one candles on the cake, and still nothing. At twenty-three, I made another trip back to India and made a point of visiting the toque-wearing psychic again. He remembered me and agreed to see me. I haven't married yet, I had my aunt translate to him. You will marry at twenty-three or twenty-five. Three children. What happened to my other three children? Timeline shifts. Doesn't happen all like that. But still you must watch out for karab, abdmi, most karab. Then husband come. He very good man. He go in business, not doctor or engineer. So, not only did I have three less children to look forward to, I was also going to be married to a job jumper who didn't seem to know what profession he wanted to be in. Almost 18 years later, standing by a table of vibrators in front of a room of young women, the only thing that had changed from the time of the Indian psychic's readings was the fact that my father had died, I had two eyebrows instead of one, and I was no longer a virgin. I was still living at home, still without a husband, and still without children. My best friend Max stood next to me in the table of sex toys, surveying her guests and assessing if it was time to start or not. She was in her second year of nursing school. We had met a few years earlier when she still worked reception at my dentist's office before leaving that job to pursue her dream of medical school. She was half black and half Romanian, but self-identified as a crazy cat lady. As soon as I graduated from training, she immediately offered to be my first hostess. I could always count on her for unconditional support and love. Standing in front of future lawyers, I needed that support more than ever. I was nervous, more nervous than I thought I would be. Do you want something to drink? You look nervous, Max said. The sweat is dripping down my back into my butt, I said, my teeth sore from being clenched together. Don't worry, buddy. There's no way you'll be as bad as that girl at Diane's party. Max and I had attended a similar adult toy party six months prior to that evening. We had shown up at Diane's party 30 minutes late. Since I'm telling the story, I can safely say it was her fault, not mine, that we showed up right at the end of the consultant's questionnaire and icebreaker games. Fifteen middle-aged women were assembled in a horseshoe shape in front of the consultant. They had pink paper menus in their laps. The consultant, visibly annoyed at our tardiness, shoved two paper menus towards me and Max. Her hair was so severely pulled back that I was surprised she was still able to blink. She was wearing what looked like a dyed black lab coat with a gold name tag in the corner reading, Shelly. Shelly sneered at me and handed us two name tags to stick to our shirts. She instructed us to write down our party names by saying, Take the first letter of your name and think of a sexy word to go with it, and then write that down. You can sit here, she said to me and pointed to a folding chair to her left. And you, she said looking at Max, have to sit on the floor. There are no more chairs. I quickly looked around the room of middle-aged women before taking my seat. Sexy Susan? Naughty Nancy? Booby Brenda? I considered my options. Their expressions ranged from indifference to fear. Booby Brenda was an A-cup at best and looked mildly annoyed. I wondered if Naughty Nancy was what she claimed to be. I took one last look around and then opted to write, Juicy Jasmine on my name tag instead of what I wanted to write, Jizz Master Jasmine. Somehow, I just didn't think it was the right crowd. 
Shelley was as stiff in her presentation as the dildos on the table behind her. She ran through her product list with the efficiency of a doctor, devoid of any humor, charisma, or personality. Someone must have forgotten to tell Shelley that it was a sex party. I snuck in a look around the room. Most of the women were gazing down at the floor or fiddling with the paper menus in their laps. There was a palatable air of discomfort and fear of Shelley. I figured this was what detention must have been like, or sex hell, if there was such a thing. I only heard the occasional rattle of ice or slurp of a margarita in between Shelley's monotone delivery. One of the ladies had started to crunch on tortilla chips, but stopped after three bites when each chomp of her jaw reverberated in the awkward silence. Shelley was more than halfway through her presentation when I felt the mood in the room dip so low that I thought the Grim Reaper might show up at any moment, a scythe in one hand, a dildo in the other. Shelley? I asked, putting my hand up when she presented the Benoit balls. If you have sex with someone with those balls inside you, can you play pinball? Is the penis like the side flipper? Do you get extra points if you hit the cervix? Every woman in the room laughed at my joke. Shelley shot me a dirty look and barked a stern, no, at me. I slunk back against my folding chair. No one laughed for another 30 minutes. One of the ladies looked like she was holding her breath. Finally, a woman who looked like she was in her mid-fifties asked a question about the vibrators. Shelley, sounding extremely annoyed, mumbled something about not answering any personal questions during the presentation and asked that no one interrupt her again. Instead of asking Shelley another question, I took the first opportunity to make a joke to the woman sitting beside me when the subject of male erections came up. No pun intended, but you get the idea. All of the women in the room started to laugh again, which resulted in Shelley curtly telling me that if I interrupted her presentation again, I would have to leave. I've never been able to handle being admonished well. I did the only thing I could do. I scribbled an image of Shelley with a dildo stuck to her forehead on the paper menu she had given me. It looked like an enraged cross between a bull and a unicorn. I wrote, Uniporno Shelley under it and showed it to Max. She quietly giggled with me. After the presentation was done, Shelley went upstairs to a bedroom to wait for the guests to make their orders. Are you going to buy anything? Max asked. No, I hate Shelley. Besides, I'm not sure what Lammy will and won't do. Lammy. I rarely called him by his given name. We'd been dating for just over a year. I was 34 years old, and he was the second man I had ever had sex with. It was also my first long-term relationship. He filled the description of what the palmist had told me about my husband. He was an only child. He was born abroad like me, in Montreal, in fact. He had studied science, but gave it up and went into computers. Though I reasoned it wasn't business, I figured it was close enough. As for him being the missing jewel in our family crown, perhaps the translation was off. Only a few months into dating Lammy, and I was sure the translation was more like missing fool than jewel. That would make more sense. Excuse me, a lady wearing the name tag Sexy Susan said, tapping me on the shoulder. Can I ask you something? Sure. What would you recommend for someone who wants to set the mood, but is really new at this stuff? Do you mean you? I asked, trying to spy over her shoulder to see what desserts Diane had put out for her guests. Yes, she said in a hushed voice. I'm with my second husband. We just got married, and he's a whole lot more... Oh, how should I say it? He's more 
adventurous than I am. I want to buy something that might surprise him, but I'm not sure what I feel comfortable with. Oh, I said, perusing the order form in front of me while trying to cover up the picture of Uniporno Shelley with my hand at the same time. The book on massage looks really good. I would start with something like that. Get some of that oil and maybe the heart-shaped massage pad and you could have yourself a pretty oily but sexy night. You know what I mean? I do, she said excitedly and ran upstairs to the bedroom where Shelley was conducting the sales. Who is that? Max asked. Don't know. I've never met her before in my life. I thought you knew her. The seat next to me wasn't empty long. Can I ask you something? It was the woman who had asked the question about vibrators. Sure. She lowered her voice. Did you think the question I asked was stupid? Listen, I'm an English major. I didn't think it was stupid, just poorly worded. I didn't understand what you were asking. Oh, she smiled and blushed. I was asking about the toys. You see, I've never had one before. I wasn't sure what would be a good first toy for me. Do you think I should buy that pink kangaroo? God, no, I said, looking back at my order form and trying to cover up my doodle. Had I known anyone else would be looking at my paper, I would have chosen to draw something derogatory about Shelley on the inside flap instead. See this one? That's a good beginner toy. I'd get that one. I didn't like the look of the egg, and the blue one doesn't look like it's well made. The battery pack on the kangaroo is way too big, and the other one felt a bit stringy in texture. I can't thank you enough, she said as she ran up behind sexy Susan to make her purchase. As soon as she was out of earshot, Max pulled on my shirt sleeve. Do you know her? You know you're the only one I know here, I said, frapping her on the head with my paper menu. Excuse me, a lady wearing a button-down business suit took the hot seat of questions beside me. My name is Margaret. I just love that joke you made earlier. You're really funny. Thank you, Margaret. Or should I say, Mistress Margaret. Did you enjoy the presentation? Not really. I'm afraid I'm really new at this. I've never been to a sex party either. Oh, I've been to them. I just never really know what to buy. I guess this might sound weird, but can I confide in you? Why not? I thought everyone else is. My husband has a thing about, well, uh, he has a thing. She lowered her voice so low I could barely hear her. About feet. He has a foot fetish? I asked and watched as the color rose in poor Margaret's face. Is it freaky? I don't think so. Not unless it gets in the way of regular sex, I guess. I mean, if it becomes an obsession or something. Oh, no, Margaret said, coming to her husband's defenses immediately. He just likes to look at my feet. He likes to, well, I'm embarrassed to say, but I think you know. I didn't know. I didn't know the answer to anything they were asking. I only knew my instinct. I had only ever played with a toy once in my life before the party. I had bought the vibrator on a shopping trip with my mother. I was so uncomfortable the entire time we were in the sex shop that I picked the biggest set that afforded the most value for the money. I had no idea if what I was picking was actually a good choice or not. I used the toy once and then never again. It was already very awkward using the toy knowing that my mother was upstairs and knew I had it. That factor, combined with the fact that when flicked on low, the toy sounded like the space shuttle taking off made me way too nervous to enjoy myself. I studied Margaret's face before leaning in close so that no one else could hear us. Have you ever given your husband a foot job? I asked. What's that? She whispered excitedly. Listen, if I was you, I would buy myself some of this lubricant, go get myself a pedicure, because let's face it, that's always nice, and surprise your husband by massaging his penis with your lubed up pretty feet and see what fun that starts. 
Margaret's eyes lit up. It's probably a great workout for your thighs, too. Everybody wins. You're a goddess, she said, and ran up the stairs to the sales room. In the year I'd been dating Lammy, I'd never once heard him call me a goddess. Then again, I had never given him a foot job like the one I described to Margaret, even though the thought had crossed my mind. Do you have any idea how much money you just made, Shelley? Max asked me. No. Now can we please leave before someone asks me another question? But I want some of those brownies before we go. I'm serious. You just made her about $450. You should be the one selling this stuff, buddy. Don't be ridiculous, Max. I have a full-time job. Six months later, standing in front of a room full of people attempting to do what Shelley had done, I felt deeply empathetic about how nervous she may have been and how vulnerable you are in front of people you don't know trying to peddle sex toys in the space of two hours. I guess we should start, I said to Max, who was filling a bowl with tortilla chips. My mouth felt so dry I thought I might spew dust instead of instructions if I opened it to speak. I looked at the group of young women. They sensed the presentation was about to start, and like the well-trained students they were, they stopped chatting and focused 100% of their attention on me, waiting for me to speak. The sweat started pooling in my armpits. My throat clenched up, and I felt my underwear twist inexplicably in my pants, causing me to fight back the strongest urge I had to put my hand between my legs and scratch myself right in front of all of them. I cleared my throat and opened my mouth, but the words wouldn't come out. Thank you for joining me on this journey. On the next episode, we find out if my oratory, or should I say oral skills, rise to the occasion. To everyone who has subscribed, shared, liked, and loved this podcast, you have my deepest gratitude. Thank you so much. Feel free to reach out to me via social media. You can follow me on Instagram, Jasmine underscore Aziz, on Twitter, at Jasmine Aziz, and on Facebook. Or email me at Jasmine at JasmineAziz.com. Until next time, remember that the best part of life is love. So be sure to open your heart to it, because here she comes. I'm just a popcorn dreaming, gonna red and back to butter you up. I'm gonna shiver you, shake and quiver you, shiver you up.